For too long, the fertility market has been bewildering, overwhelming, and frankly, I think has downright ignored the needs and difficult experiences of the people they're supposed to be serving. Ovum has made it their mission to change this completely. Now, I am extremely choosy about who I promote on this podcast because I'm very protective of my listeners and audience, which is why you've probably only ever heard one spoken ad like this before. So it's with complete confidence, excitement and pride that I can share this amazing company with you. Ovum care about you, truly. From creating products to support conception and fertility that are designed by doctors and backed by the latest science without cutting any corners, from adding access to meditations I've personally written and recorded inside their pregnancy test boxes, Ovum is founded by individuals who've navigated infertility themselves. I really couldn't be more proud to partner with them and tell you about them. Ovum is driven by the belief that everyone who is trying to conceive deserves better, and I am 100% behind this ethos. So head over to startwithovum.com and use code LIFERAFT10 for 10% off their tests and supplements. I understand why sometimes we're not included in the narrative, because we're people's worst nightmare, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to end up like Aisha, I'm not going to end up like her, um, but you know, not having a baby is also a viable option. You know, you can have a happy life. And um, yeah, so my husband and I live in proof of that. Hello and welcome to Fertility Life Raft with me, Alice Rose. This podcast is for you if you find yourself longing for a baby and then finding that the path to bringing them home is not easy. It's for you if you've had enough of feeling like you're losing sight of yourself because that's how I felt too. And it's also for you if you're supporting someone going through this and want to understand a little bit more. So welcome to a totally safe space, honest conversation, real and raw stories shared and a little bit of topical stuff too because I really believe it's not all down to you to get through this. The world needs to catch up too. It is the first episode of series three and I am so excited to be back with you. It's such an honour to have you with me so thank you first of all for being here. I really feel like I've missed you. I feel like I've missed this dialogue. I've missed talking to you like this. Um, it's such a it's such a privilege to kind of have this direct, it feels like direct communication with you. So that's the first thing to say. Um, and the second thing to say is that I feel like so much has changed since we last spoke through this space, both for, well, for, for all of us, for me, for you, I'm absolutely sure, and well, the world in, gen in general as we knew it, because my last episode was created, I think it was February 2020, so it was just before the world sort of imploded as a result of COVID-19. And here in the UK, we are gradually returning to something resembling normal life now, but it kind of feels like the collective experience has almost shifted something fairly epic, doesn't it? And you know, and I really feel like that's had such a massive impact on on all of us in so many ways. And it's, and and when it comes to fertility fertility stuff, so many so many shifts are happening as well. So I would genuinely love to hear how you're doing, and I really want this series to continue to feel like a two week two way conversation, me and you. So drop me a line on Instagram, which is this is Alice Rose. Email me Alice at this is Alice Rose dot com with anything you feel like sharing, like 
thoughts about topics that we discuss on the podcast, things that you want to hear discussed, just let me know and get in touch. This is this is for you. This podcast is for you. So 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 keep in touch with me. Um, I'm really looking forward to sharing this series. It's jam-packed full of the most incredible, inspirational people. Um, and I feel like, you know, when you're kind of walking down the street or just making a cup of tea or just tidying your bedroom and you'll be listening to a podcast and then you're like, yes, yes. And it's this like light bulb moment in your head or, you know, just a sudden thought that that really helps you to process something or make you feel less alone or just make you feel seen that's what I think this series is full of so just little nuggets of of gold dust Um, I really and I hope you feel that too also this podcast really doesn't shy away from difficult topic topics or from shining a light on things which I I really believe need changing and disrupting because uh, if you know me, you know that I am all about mindset shifting and I, you know, I create work to help you do that. And I've experienced that myself, transformative experience really in, in working on my personal development and my mindset, which has truly changed my life. Um, and that's very much, you know, where my work is focused. But I also think that it's really not completely down to us or down to you to manage what's happening. I, I really think that the world needs to catch up and start to understand what going through such a hard path to bringing home a baby really feels like and the impact that it can have. And even just today, there was an article released as I record this intro. There was an article released in the New Statesman online, which appears to just completely pull apart the surrogate, the surrogacy community. Now, I have no idea what happened to the author of this piece to prompt her to offload these very strong views on a community which she doesn't appear to have a connection with, although I don't I don't know for sure, but it just completely ignores the complexity and myriad reasons why so many people might use a surrogate and indeed why surrogates themselves might choose to be a part of creating a family. And I'm not I'm not going to spend the whole of this podcast, you know, discussing this article, but this is the kind of thing that I feel like needs proper dialogue and discussion instead of just simply being allowed to exist, being allowed to be, you know, released out into the world without the people who affect so much having a voice and having their uh, experience, you know, shown in, in a in a in a proper compassionate way. I really think it's time that we change, change the narrative and be more compassionate. And that includes self-compassion. That is one of our biggest superpowers and total game changers, in my humble opinion. So I think I've talked long enough and I want to encourage you to just get cosy, get comfy if you're kind of sitting down with a cup of tea or if you're on a walk, um, you know, just turn up the volume and and really have a good old listen (laughs) to this chat because I am really thrilled to bring this to you. It's a very powerful discussion with the amazing Aisha Balasaria. So Aisha and her husband spent 10 years trying to conceive and a late diagnosis of stage 5 endometriosis revealed, revealed the primary cause of Aisha's infertility. Over 11 unsuccessful IVF attempts and many miscarriages later, they decided to embrace a child-free after-infertility life. And with real courage and determination, they eventually got to a place of healing and acceptance. Aisha's now a coach and her aim is to empower those struggling with infertility or chronic illness. I really loved this chat and I hope that you do too. 
Aisha, thank you so much for joining me on Fertility Life Raft. Um, it's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. And welcome to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm just so excited to be here. It's really exciting for me because this is actually the first one that I'm recording. We've faffed around a little bit there with our sound and with our microphones. So hopefully everyone can hear us and you can see us all, which is brilliant. Aisha, you have been through a really long um, fertility journey, experience, time, and you now find yourself in a position where you are supporting others, you're empowering others. And I would love to hear a little bit more about your story and what led you to the work that you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so around 11 years ago now, um, that's when my trying to conceive journey started. Um, and usually when people can't fall pregnant, it, it comes as a shock. But for me, it wasn't a shock because for years I've been experiencing excruciating pain. Um, I've been bed bound. I've been to the doctors on and off since I was 15. And then when my husband and I tried to have a baby, um, it just didn't happen. Mm. And then I kind of went back to the doctors and then they said, you know, try naturally, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. And then when I couldn't fall pregnant after two years, um, I actually had to ask my GP um, if I could self-refer to a hospital that specialised in fertility um, because I always knew there was something wrong. And then um, I was, I went, I had, a, I had an appointment and then within 20 minutes, a consultant kind of looked at my notes and really thought I had endometriosis and there was a cancellation a week later, I had an operation and when they did a diagnostic laparoscopy, they realised that I had stage four endometriosis all that time. Gosh, okay. So that, was that quite a shock for you? Did you Had you heard of endometriosis at, at that point? Did you know what it was? Um, actually, I did because my cousin, um, she had private health care and she had endometriosis and she was diagnosed with it quite young. And it was actually my cousin who said to me, look, I think you might have the same thing as me. Um, why don't you ask your GP if you can self-refer to another hospital? Because I've been to several hospitals and at no point did any doctor ever suggest endometriosis. Oh. What is going on with that? Because we've spoken before, haven't we? Um, In fact, quite recently, we met virtually for the first time when I was hosting that um, lovely virtual book launch for We Are One in Eight, which is the the compilation of stories, incredible book, and everyone listening, watching should go and and, um, get it. Um, But we talked a little bit about your endometriosis and the whole endometriosis saga really um that that is prevalent at the moment and the lack of um diagnosis that people get the um I guess like people talking about the fact that people don't seem to maybe take it seriously when they go and see their GP or see anybody they don't seem to put two and two together what what is going on there I mean I've had endometriosis 25 years now so when I had it back then it wasn't on the radar of most doctors and most GPs so it was even less, there was even less awareness about endometriosis back then than there is now. And I think that with my cousin, because she had early intervention, it probably helped when it came to her trying to conceive. But because it had been left so late for me and I had endometriosis um, around my ovaries, my bowel um, at that point, and now it's spread to my rectum and my vagina. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know back then I just think it just wasn't on the radar of most GPs. 
Mm. It's just so it, it breaks my heart that so many people go through that. I mean, it's and, and I've heard now so many stories of how excruciating it is, and the fact that you couldn't even you were literally bed bound, mm. and it didn't get the help that you needed until you came to trying to conceive two years down the line, and then finally you were diagnosed, and then you almost qu- quite quickly then you went into a, having an operation. Yeah, so there was a cancellation, luckily, and then they, you know, basically did a diagnostic laparoscopy. And that's when they found that I had um, stage four endometriosis. And then um, immediately they said, look, we don't think your chances of trying to conceive naturally um, will be, the odds will be good. So let's try IVF. So at that point, I kind of wasn't even given an option. I was really told back then, Mm -hmm. you know, it's literally IVF or nothing. Um, so I had a couple of rounds in the NHS immediately. I knew that they didn't work because within a couple of days of transfer, I'd already started bleeding. Mm, okay. So I kind of knew that it hadn't worked. And then um, I just had many rounds of unsuccessful IVFs. Um, I had el- over 11. I laugh now. Um, yeah. That is hard. Months. How did you get through that? What tell me talk to me about your your mindset throughout that and I'm really interested in how you yeah, how you got through all of those rounds. Um I think it was really difficult because back then there wasn't the fertility Instagram or Facebook accounts that you could use for community or support. Um, yeah. I didn't know anyone who was going through IVF and even if they were I didn't know about it because no one really spoke about it and if you think only 11 years ago it was still such a taboo talking about infertility and not being able to conceive um, luckily I had a supportive family um, but even then you know they tried their best but sometimes they didn't always get it right I mean how could they it's a yeah. really difficult situation um, I had a very good private consultant you know he was really good we, we developed a really good rapport with him um but yeah my mindset at that time I just felt sad every day the grief you know um it was just you know I would live in so much hope but fear at the same time because you know there's no point in going through round after round of IVF if you don't have some sort of hope um and then a few times I did get pregnant and I think that's probably why I carried on so long because with my second pregnancy I was in my second trimester so to me that was you know I I got really far so I just kept carrying on thinking this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And then after 11 plus times, it didn't happen. Mm. And it was at that point where um, I just decided this is just too much. It's affecting my mental health. And as I've been carrying on year after year, the medication just became more intense. Mm. Um, and I, the hormones just started to really affect me. I just didn't like who I was becoming. Mm. Um, I'd isolated a lot. I just wasn't myself. Um, it got to a point where I just couldn't carry on anymore. Um, and it was either infertility or me. And I chose me. Yeah. This is the moment of complete, you know, because you, you, you talk about the fact that, you know, you you went through so much sadness and so much un, and grief. And I want to say now, like, I'm so sorry for all of your, your losses. You know, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Um, and it's always like, it's always it's always like having these conversations. I love having these conversations. I love the fact that being able to have these conversations helps to break taboos, but I never want to lose sight of the fact that the people sharing their stories have actually been through, you know, such a, a, um, a dramatically profoundly difficult time. So just to say that right now, thank you and um, really appreciate you 
you know just sharing this with with people I know you do I know you share it a lot but I, I just feel like it sometimes gets lost sometimes do you know what I mean like yeah you know it just people just kind of assume that if you share all the time about what you've been through you're just kind of completely and I know that you've done so much healing work and that's what I want to come on to now but even so you know that's something to, to just take a moment with um but so talking about that that yeah, gosh, that, that heaviness. And I don't think we talk about like how much the hormones and the medication can have such yeah. an enormous effect on you as well. So you can have like all the mindset tips and tools and tricks and support and counseling you like, but at the end of the day, you're, you're being, you know, basically pumped full of medication and that has a huge effect on, on our, on our bodies and our minds. So talk, talk to me a bit about how, you know, how did you, how did you come to the point where you recognized that it was infertility or you? and that you chose you? Because I have low AMH, so every time I had a round of IVF, um, I wouldn't have that many eggs to bank or none at all. So each time I had to go through um, IVF, I had to have another one from scratch because I had low AMH. Um, And, you know, a lot of the time people will say, oh, you know, you're really young, I had good quality eggs um I nearly always got to five day blast assist and they got to a point towards the end of my journey where I had to bank two rounds of um eggs I had two rounds of egg collection and at that point we were going to have them p um gs tested so you know I spoke to the embryologist spoke to my consultant they were like you know at some point you're definitely going to have a baby because you know the odds are really good blah 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 and then at that point I was just you know quite positive thinking you know this is going to be it um and then I got a phone call from the embryologist and then she said when they were trying to thaw the eggs out of the freezer they didn't pass a stress test either either batch and I was just even now, I still find that quite difficult to say out loud because I just thought, how, like, you know, given my history, that was very unusual for, for me and no one could believe it. And, and at one point I was thinking, did the embryologist do something wrong? Did something happen? Have they not told me? Um, but literally they just, they must've just been really weak and they didn't, they didn't even pass the stress test coming out the freezer. So at that point, it was like 20k down the drain and then nothing to show for it and then I thought wow I can't even do anything because there's there's not there is no material there to use um and I think that was the you know the melting point for me where I just thought I just couldn't carry on anymore my husband told me to stop for quite a few you know quite a few years before and I think because I I had got pregnant and because everyone was so supportive I felt the opposite, that I didn't want to stop, that I wanted to give him a child. I wanted to make my parents, you know, have another grandchild because my sister has a son. Um, And I think that was the moment where I literally just laid in bed for four days and I couldn't eat and I couldn't sleep. And it was just too much for me, which is quite out of my character to be like that. But um, yeah, I just, I found the grief and the trauma just too much at that point. Mm -hmm. And there is something, isn't there, about reaching your rock bottom? for you to be able to go I actually can't 
I just can't anymore. Like something has to change. And whether that's the decision that you came to, which was like, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to choose me and I'm going to, you know, embrace what we'll next come on to, which is this is this whole new chapter of your life. I'm going to go down that path mm-hmm. instead of um, the other option. Um, and whatever, whatever that rock bottom is for, for anyone listening or anyone watching, like it, it can often actually be the catalyst for moving you into a much healthier and more um, positive and more, you know, um, uplifting point. Um, so I just, I think that's an interesting place to kind of come to. It's like, yeah, you you had that horrific time where you needed to just go, I can't, I just can't in order for you to then go, all right, this is the next chapter. How, 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 what was the, what's the kind of moment where you were like, I can't do that anymore. So this is, this is my new way to be. And how did you, how did you heal from that? How did you, how did, how did that come to you? I think it was at that point where, like I said, you know, none of the eggs um, came out of the freezer. Um, and actually like it's Ramadan now so if anybody knows Muslims have a month where we fast um, from sunrise to sunset and it was actually two years ago in Ramadan where my husband was away for 10 days because of you know work and then I was at my mom's breaking my fast there and I think I just tried to I'd been trying to keep it together for so long and at that point I was I'm laughing about it now but at the time it wasn't funny um I was literally just so overcome with emotion no one had said anything and I, I just started you know when you cry and you cry but that ugly cry, yeah. that horrible <laughs> cry. like and I was like slumped over my mom's counter like this and they didn't know what to do because they'd never seen me like that even when I'd had miscarriage when I'd had failed rounds of IVF or they'd just never seen me in that state and at that point I just needed to cry out and I felt I think I had I was depressed but not clinically diagnosed um and I just think you know it just got to the point where I said I can't do this anymore and I need to move forward and I don't want to wake up in sadness and you know that's going to be it for me I'm, I'm just going to try and live a happy life and you know do things that I love and put this behind me and so that was the moment that that kind of slump slumped over the, the counter business oh god I can almost pick like the the feeling of just like oh like you just need to get all of that out don't you sometimes in order to then to move forward so then how how did you do it like did you have what what support was in place for you how did you how did you find the new version of yourself um so definitely therapy therapy is amazing when people tell me they love therapy yeah got a lot of therapy <laughs> Um, when people tell me they come out of IVF and they don't have therapy, I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, obviously, everyone has their own way of navigating how they, you know, um, get through grief and sadness. But I would always advocate for therapy for being the best component for helping me with grief and sadness. Um, and my therapist was a. It's funny because we weren't the same. She was. Um, she identified as a witch. Um, you know, we, we literally, you know, if you on paper, you know, you would never match us, but she was amazing because she had the tools, the empathy, the acknowledgement. Um, she was just such an amazing therapist. Like she got me from like here to here. Obviously I helped myself, but when you have a good therapist, it's, it's just everything. Oh, she sounds amazing. I feel like I need to talk to her. <laughs> so good. She just allowed me to sit there 
and sometimes the silence was uncomfortable, but that's what I needed. I, I just needed that reflection and time to, you know, explore, you know, my areas of grief and sadness. Yeah, and I think that sometimes we we um, forget like how much space and time we actually need to process like what is going on and what has happened in the past and what's happening right now in order for us to then you know move into that next Definitely. chapter that next new mindset thing and I think sometimes I feel like so, you know it, it's easy on Instagram or you know you see like a meme or a thing where you're like you know you can be whoever you want to be and you can do this and you can you can change your mindset it's like yeah you can but you you do need the moment first and like who knows how long that's going to take and how you're going to get there but you have to start with that heal healing mm-hmm. um and acknowledgement don't you Absolutely. And I think as well, you have to navigate through the sadness because I think people think you're just going to leave the process and then, you know, at some point you're going to be okay. But the some point means you have to do some work in between that point. Mm. And for me, I just couldn't bear the thought of waking up sad every day ever again. Um, I'd done it for 10 years and I just thought I'm just not going to do that anymore. You know, there comes a point where you want to look forward and you want to wake up and you you want to feel happy. And I didn't want to feel sad every day because I didn't have a child and that's what that was a catalyst for me basically Mm um not only therapy coaching really helped I had a business coach at work and um yeah she just helped me navigate and support me to really think about what I wanted to do and that's why I've become a coach yeah so yeah I'm really excited to talk about that as well so talk yeah fascinated by by this decision and like where you find yourself now and I can even see your face like yay I'm a coach now I help other people which is so it's that being in service to others which can actually bring so much to our own lives isn't it so yeah so going through so you're going through the therapy were you having coaching at the same time um yeah because the thing is the coaching at work was to do with um like business so it wasn't to do with fertility or anything like that but it didn't matter because it was still my goals for the session were still about what I wanted you know from my future and then I realized actually this is really powerful let me you know um train and become a coach and And find yeah and find out more about it I think that's the thing I think I, I feel that it's that sudden realization and I had a similar realization completely different story but very similar realization in that oh wait I actually get to choose more than I thought I did despite external circumstances like it doesn't actually the external circumstances are the external like I cannot I can't change those Mm -hmm. but there is a way that I can tap into that part of myself and my part of my you know um, ability to empower myself to go right I want to I want to be this person I don't want to be that person anymore I want to be I want to be well you're always this person but you want you want to move into a new version of yourself and actually learning about coaching and learning about ways that we can do that because I'm in training myself right now as a coach so I'm yeah <laughs> absolutely loving it and it's um yeah like radically radical radical transformation I would say so so you you are having that business coaching but you know as we learn about it has such a you know it's really all holistic anyway because it's all linked up to all all parts of our life right so when you so it was two years ago that you had that kind of rock bottom moment Mm -hmm. then you were in therapy and having coaching at the same time Mm -hmm. at what point did you go I'm gonna do this for other people now I think it was around 
a year and a bit ago, year and a half ago. It could be, it could even be longer. Um, it was at that moment that I thought, you know what, it, my life doesn't look how I planned, but it's going to look how I planned in another way. And that means I'm going to do things that make me happy. And when I first left the process, childless or child-free after infertility, um, I actually thought, oh, let me, what's my plan B? What's my purpose? But actually, as I've moved on through my healing, I don't even feel like that now. I just feel like this isn't a plan A, B or C. It's just a continuation of how Aisha was before. And I'm just going to do things that make me happy. I'm not going to do anything that just doesn't serve me anymore. And that's what I stick to like day to day. And it feels really good having that, that goal every day that I just want to wake up and actually just find happiness. And I know that might sound a bit cheesy, but actually when you've been through everything that I've been through, that is actually a really nice thing to wake up to and feel. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I think we... <laughs> It's so funny how we kind of don't put happiness like on a par with other goals that we have, but happiness and love and joy, like, yeah, yeah, it does sound a bit cheesy, but it is what we're all here for, isn't it? And we just forget that. And I love, love, love that you were saying it's not a plan A, B or C. Do you know, I was just literally this morning thinking about, I don't know if I, I don't really like that, you know, always have a plan, but it's just, it's just your life. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's about, about riding riding the the wave surfing the waves of it right mm-hmm. um so fight waking so what tell me what that looks like for you now so waking up and finding happiness you are child free after infertility mm-hmm. as you say and you identify as child free you know what is it like now for you to be in that space it, how what what is grief still a part of your life and how do you manage it it's funny because Sometimes it's hard to even say it out loud that I wake up and I don't feel that extreme sadness. You know, when you wake up and you're going through or you're you're navigating your fertility journey and you're living in hope and fear and you have that really horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach or, you know, in your heart and, and and it doesn't feel nice. So I no longer wake up with that anymore. And I've prayed for them days, you know, and it and it feels nice to finally be here where where you know, making it to the end of the day before was actually like, like a a huge goal when you're going through infertility. And now it just feels so nice to wake up and think, you know what, I can do whatever I want today. You know, I'm a coach, I'm self-employed, you know, I've written a chapter for a book, I'm involved in writing other articles, I've written blogs for people, Um, you know, this is my third podcast, and it just feels so nice that I'm actually doing things that I love. And it's, re- it's actually part of my own healing journey, actually. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And there's something about finding our voice, isn't there? Yes. And, and owning like who we are in every way that kind of is part of that healing journey. No, absolutely. Um, I've worked also with some, some of the people in my community. So Childless Not By Choice. Um, this year, I was involved in being a speaker for the Childless Summit. So that was really good. Um, I was able to connect with a lot of women who were either navigating a child-free life or were actually um, came to the end of their fertility journey and haven't had a child. Um, So that was really good. And that was really nice connecting with so many people. Um, And it made such a difference. You know, the amount of DMs I had and the feedback, it was just, it was lovely to be able to express myself and my story without kind of getting choked up or you know, feeling really sad about it actually made me happy in a way because I thought I'm here to support people who may actually look at me and think, do you know what? 
I can actually live a happy life without children if it doesn't work for me. Yes. Oh, it's amazing what you're doing. Absolutely incredible. And oh, so I mean, I I think that when I first started making this podcast, which was it's been on a long break, so it's, this is a the third series back in the back in the first series, which was like yeah, quite a long time ago now. I don't think that this community, the child free community, really was as established or beginning to be established as it is now and I think that that is can only be such a powerful and comforting thing both for those who are already have made that decision or have found themselves in that position or for those who are actually currently going through the journey or currently going through that idea of like that that terrifying fear that what if this doesn't happen for me yeah but to see people like you people like all the amazing speakers who are at that childless summit and I remember seeing that and just thinking this is incredible and it was I think it was Katie from Chasing Creation she's amazing honestly such a voice so inclusive um has become a good friend of mine now just really really just a really lovely person you know even you know outside the work she does just a really nice genuine person and but she does so much to kind of amplify the voices of all different people who are childless not by choice um yeah so in that moment it just felt really nice and I I understand why sometimes we're not included in the narrative because we're people's worst nightmare aren't we (laughs) I'm not going to end up like Aisha I'm not going to end up like her um but you know not having a baby is also a viable option you know you can have a happy life and um yeah so my husband and I live in proof of that I think that's really profound what you just said we're people's worst nightmares like (laughs) you're smiling and I was like but I think like how does that feel to kind of say that out loud um kind of like hashtag funny not funny (laughs) (laughs) because at one point presumably this was your worst nightmare oh yes I definitely like looking back my my family will testify to this um that's probably why I went through so many rounds because I was like I, I'm not going to be a you like how I am now I'm not going to be an IVF fail this is always going to happen for me you know as long as I keep trying and never give up it will happen um but it didn't happen did it mm. so um you know at the end of the day I have to make my life the best life that it can be even though there's something I would say before missing, but now I wouldn't say that something that I wanted that isn't here. Um, and, you know, you were asking before there are moments that I have grief. No, absolutely. Um, my twins due date was the 5th of June. So around that time, of course, it can be emotional. Um, but I'm fine with pregnancy announcements. I follow lots of people on Instagram that are, you know, navigating their journey and who have fallen pregnant. I can go to baby showers um, I don't feel triggered when people tell me they're, they're pregnant or, you know, they think they're pregnant. And that's, you know, when I look back at how far I've come, that's huge. Mm. Um, to be able to sit in that environment and work in this environment and work with people who are navigating their journey and support them. Um, yeah, I've come a long way. So the grief moments are few and far between. Um, but yeah, not how it used to be. So the happiness and fulfillment and sense of peace and like yeah everything is is obviously clearly like far outweighing you know the the pain of what you were fearing before you actually came to this chapter of your life 
And so, I, yeah, I love that you've you've brought up you know those triggers because they can be crippling for people. They can be absolutely overwhelming, and I do see a lot of people who even once they've had their babies say I still can't deal with pregnancy announcements or I still can't deal with baby showers or I still can't you know they are still triggered by that and I think that comes down to healing mm-hmm. does that is that what you would say as well like I would say I think when people try to go through healing I mean it, it's messy there, there were moments where I when I was navigating my child-free life I because I'd been on such a long journey I'd been through quite a few trying to conceive groups so a lot of people I'd become friends with, I said, look, if you want to follow me from your personal account, not your trying to conceive account, that's fine. But I literally shut down everything when I stopped. I turned everything off. I didn't want to look at anything to do with that community. I kind of, you know, sat through my grief and sadness. And I continued to do that with therapy. Um, and I think that's how I got to the end. Because I, I, I sat in the horrible feelings. I didn't try to, you know, dismiss them. I thought, no, I've done that for too many years. I need to work through it. And I think that's how I've really helped myself on this journey and come through the other end because I didn't ignore the pain and the grief and the trauma. I actually sat and worked through it and sat in it. Yeah, definitely. It's that quote, what we resist persists, right? So when we're resisting, when we're resisting any of that, when we just like, don't sit in it that's where it just is going to keep biting us in the ass essentially <laughs> for want of a different phrase <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely and that's the thing because and it's a process isn't it because like you were saying some people they can't go to baby showers they can't look at you know um people announcing their pregnancies on facebook and i was at that point too a long time ago it's a process Yes. And that's important to say that because if you're listening, thinking, God, that's me. Like, I, I actually can't, I can't do and like, yeah, like that you're not alone. That's something that is very normal. And actually because of um, the trauma that people are going through and the pain of that, that that's, that is okay to have that, but also the knowledge that there are, there are ways that we can move through it and onto the other side, I think is, I hope, I think that's a very comforting and reassuring thing to tap into. Yeah. <laughs> but that it takes work, right? It takes, and with support, I would say, support and, and your own your own self-development, your own um, personal growth to be able to get to that point. But so worth it. Yeah. I definitely think so. Um, I put in boundaries, we'll put in place. And and to be fair, I don't like to say lucky. I felt really blessed that I had a really good family and friends support network. I didn't really have um, people around me who were insensitive or, you know, didn't know what to say. I had people that were very open with me and I was very open with my close circle. So I was quite fortunate in that way where I really got support. Um, and I'm quite good at expressing myself. So, you know, when I need to time out or when I when I said, you know, I can't come here because it's too painful, everybody understood. No one ever questioned it. Oh, and that is a huge thing, actually, isn't it? Because I think a lot of the time that is a, a massive part of the problem is that I, I can't possibly say this. Like, what will people think of me if I don't go to my friend's baby shower? How will people, what will people think if I don't give an immediate positive reaction to a pregnancy announcement? That kind of thing. Whereas if you, as you say, if you have that 
support and understanding in place um that does make it so much easier but there, there are ways as you you know talking about boundaries that's so key to creating a safety bubble around yourself in order to you know do the healing do the do the acknowledgement do the validation in order to then come to the point where you can go to the baby showers or or, or whatever it is that you're you're working towards really but I love I love now that you're helping other people come to that so tell me about what it feels like now for you as a coach yourself to to to, to help people you know work through their own grief and, and move forwards no it feels really good being able to support other people um going through their own journey and not necessarily even with infertility. So I have chronic illness or some of my clients also have chronic illness. Um, and it just feels really good being able to support other people, you know, with their goals um, through our sessions. Um, and like I said, they're not only benefiting, I'm benefiting too, because it's, it's still a part of my healing process, even though I've come really far. Um, it just feels good to be able to give back with the knowledge and experience that I have. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think we're all on a healing process of some sort, you know, like we're all, you know, I feel like I'm doing a lot of work around people pleasing at the moment. And like, I feel like I'm really, I'm really in that. But also, I'm able to learn so much myself from, you know, supporting people in my membership, supporting my clients, and just but it's like a reciprocal amazing thing when you're able to support others and also using that as as a, a way of healing and, and, um, internal introspection as well um, so I ask everybody this and I'd love to hear what is in your life raft the importance of happiness mm-hmm. um, the amazing support network that I have mm-hmm. um, the ability to wake up feeling pain-free and I don't mean physically I mean emotionally um, connections connections is a massive one isn't it yeah yeah go on when you say connections who do you what what connections I mean this community I mean like my one-to-one coaching my family um and also my faith because as a Muslim woman that really helped me you know um that was also part of my healing Mm. um and I think my healing will continue this isn't just you know it isn't just about coaching therapy and my faith. It's just going to be a lifelong thing. And they're mm-hmm. going to be dips and they're going to be ups and downs. And, you know, that's fine. I know it's a lifelong thing when you come out of fertility, whether you have a baby or not. It's, you know, pain is pain, isn't it? Absolutely. But that knowledge that you've got those things in your life raft, you know, your support network, your faith, your community. Are there any practices that you use on a daily basis that help you to tap into all of those things or that remind you to tap into those things? So as a Muslim woman, I pray five times a day. So that's really important to me. That's kind of my time to shut everything out, whatever's going on, really focus. That's kind of like a meditation for me. So praying five times a day, that that really helps. Mm. Um, And I know this is going to be another corny thing, but sometimes I just go downstairs, I look at my living room and I just think, you know, I love this space. It makes me really happy. Or the other day I was saying to my husband, and this sounds really silly, but you know, like when you change your sheets, you have a fresh pair of pajamas with like, you know, newly washed sheets and that smell of laundry, that kind of thing. Like these small things really make me feel grateful for the life I have. And I just think, you know, it's a blessing for me to be able to go in my cupboard and get out a nice clean pair of pyjamas. You know, not everyone has that luxury. Um, And during infertility, I wasn't able to find gratitude. I'm being really honest. I didn't care about it. 
you know, someone said to me, you have all this to be grateful for. I was like, no, yeah. I'm in pain. You know, it's my pain. I'm not interested. Um, but now, yeah. now I'm on the other side. I'm so grateful for the small things that I have. Like, so grateful. So that's yeah. Yeah, God, I love that you've you've made that point as well. That sometimes we are not in the mood for looking for gratitude. <laughs> I didn't think about it back then. I just it, it just wasn't the time for me to feel grateful. Yeah, I'm grateful as that might may sound. Um, at that point, I just didn't care about it. I totally hear that. I really do. But what what is interesting as well is the knowledge that I now have around gratitude and around like actually what happens in our brains when we look for things to be grateful for I think for me like learning more about that is helpful in order to tap into it even when I don't feel like it even when I think I don't want to I don't want to do that if I think well I'll just you know I don't feel like it today but I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna do it because I know that on some level it might help me then that sometimes will make me go there other times 100% like not interested don't want to do it I don't want to do that I mean last year you know in the in the midst of the pandemic I felt like I was just in pure survival mode I had no I really had no self-care practices in place it was about getting from day to day for me in that point and that's okay too like and, and it's and it's about being you know being in those moments but I guess as well you know it's it's being able to find the point where you are able to go actually I want more from my life and I don't want to be this sad every day and that's where you start going I'm going to look into more things and the the clean pajamas I am with you on the clean pajamas (laughs) and the joy the unbridled joy that a clean bed and clean pajamas can bring into your life (laughs) and a bed dive I find can elevate that even more um so (laughs) thank you so much I feel like honestly feel like I could talk to you for a really like a long time but we're coming to the end of the time that we've kind of got scheduled today and I just I could honestly I could talk and talk and talk to you but thank you for joining me and it's so much it was so lovely to be here thank you thank you thank you for inviting me and sharing my child-free often fertility story it means so much to me and especially to this community, because a lot of the time our voices are raised from the infertility narrative. So it was so lovely of you to invite me. Thank you. Oh, absolute honour and, and privilege to have you with me. And where can people find you and work with you? Tell tell everybody where, where to, to find you. So you can find me on Instagram at mindbodyrevival underscore coach or on Twitter at mindbodyrevival or on my website at www.mindbodyrevivalcoach.com. Amazing. Thank you. Everyone go and find Aisha. She's incredible and has the most amazing story and is just a ray of joy. It has been an absolute delight to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. What an amazing woman. I think you'll agree. So another massive thanks to Aisha for coming on the podcast and for sharing her story, sharing her wisdom, sharing her journey, which I think and I hope is just so inspirational and comforting, I believe, to hear from people who have 
found themselves in that position and found themselves living really um, fulfilled and content and amazing lives. So thank you, Aisha, for for being a part of the uh, first episode of this series. If you've loved this, please, please do share, share, share. It really helps to get the word out. And as I said, I would love for this to be a two-way thing. So it's not just me kind of talking at you but you talking to me too and letting me know what you think and opening up the discussion because that's where we change stuff that's where we change the narrative that's where we disrupt the, you know the media representation of what's going on the bigger our voices are and the wider we can make this as an experience a collective experience the the better it feels for people that are going through it so let this be part of your life raft listen to it when you're feeling like you need a boost because I promise to make sure that every single episode is going to leave you feeling heard seen validated comforted uplifted and I would love to hear your thoughts so drop me a line alice at this is alicerose.com share away on social media and do tag me so I can see it and cherry on the absolute cake (laughs) if that is an expression, Um, a rating or a review on Apple is probably the best possible gift you could give me. So that would honestly make my day. And do do let me know as well if you've done it so I can, yeah, send you out some some virtual love. But I'm wishing you so much um, compassion and so much love today. If you're having a difficult day, we're here for you we are here so so come and find me on instagram this is alice rose and join in join in the conversation join the community you're not you're not alone and do take care and i'll see you next week bye